Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. Now on to the talking news. Spelling Bee Brings in More Than $20,000 by Joanna K. Zuvalis. More than 700 students in kindergarten through sixth grade competed in the 17th annual Spelling Bee to benefit the Foundation for Belmont Education on November 4th, proving that they learned to spell tough words like February and this year's winning word, chauffeur. The team, the Spelling Panders, were the champions with sixth graders Julia Luber, Vivian Tayo, and Subi Upahaya. They each walked away with trophies and a $100 monetary prize from the Belmont Savings Bank. This year's runner-up team was Give Bees a Chance, with sixth graders Mara Clark, Hannah Ensanik, and Daria Manella and Cindy Wee. Runner-ups received a $25 gift certificate from Belmont Books. Some of the 180 creative team names with coordinating costumes were Spell Jiu-Jitsu, Reese's Beezies, The Zombies, and Give Bees a Chance. We are very grateful for our amazing bee team, their countless hours of thoughtful preparation, and the energy and support all day Saturday made it possible. And over to Claire. Thank you. Belmont Light Updates Purchased Power and Transmission Adjustment Belmont Light announced it has updated its purchased power and transmission adjustment from a charge of 79 thousandths of a cent per kilowatt to a credit rate of 111 one-hundredths per kilowatt. Effective from November 1st until the rate is reviewed again, toward the end of 2017. The update will mean a savings of 10% or approximately $14 for a residential customer using 750 kilowatts each month. A new PPTA rate will be set and become effective on January 1st. The PPTA is set annually based on projections for the calendar year and updated throughout the year as needed. The change reflects decreases in power costs compared to what had been budgeted for 2017, coupled with flexibility in Belmont Light's power supply agreements and comes as Belmont Light continues to look for opportunities in the power supply market that will help stabilize the fuel charge and manage costs for its customers while working toward Belmont's climate goals. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Belmont resident launches interior design firm. 
Last month, Belmont resident and award-winning designer Mark Haddad launched Interiology Design Co., a full-service interior design firm servicing in greater Boston and beyond. Haddad, a certified kitchen and bath designer, has been an interior designer for 16 years, most recently as a principal at Haddad Harkansen Design Studio. He and his team at Interiology specialize in turnkey luxury interiors, custom designed to suit the client's aesthetic and lifestyle. He and his design team at Interiology have won numerous national and regional awards for custom kitchens, baths, and creative interior spaces. There's an art and a science to all the work we do, Haddad said. The members of our design team at Interiology have been nationally and locally recognized for their creativity and problem-solving, their attention to detail, and their commitment to making the design and renovation process a positive experience for clients. Haddad holds a master's degree in education and has also taught kitchen and bath design at Boston Architectural College. October was an eventful month for the team at Interiology. On October 12th, the designers won eight design awards for kitchens, bathrooms, and a luxury dressing room at two separate events. At the PRISM Awards, hosted by the Builders and Remodelers Association of Greater Boston, members of the design team won three gold awards, and at the NKBA Northern New England Chapter Awards, the team won four first place and one second place. Now over to Bob. Thanks, Max. Business reopens after total loss in 2015 fire uh, by Joanna K. Zavallis. More than two years after a three-alarm fire destroyed her business, Belmont resident Kitty Lynn has reopened Shine On Salon in the newly renovated former location of Jimmy's Food Mart, where the fire originated on April 18, 2015. The cause of the fire, which started in the the rear of uh, Jimmy's Food Mart, at 297 Belmont Street has been ruled undetermined, according to Jennifer Meath of the State Fire Marshal's Office. The investigation is now closed. Parmit Singh, owner of Jimmy's Food Mart, opted not to return. Looks by Zahar Hair and Skin Care and optometrist Dr. Edward Burns also closed their locations at the site of the fire. Burns decided to retire, and salon owners Zari Damhani now operates at Cocopelli Salon at 293 Trapello Road. Lynn's former location was next door to Jimmy's Food Mart at 295 Belmont Street. She bought the business in 2013 and renovated it that same year. She lost more than $100,000 worth of inventory, fixtures, equipment, and furnishings as a result of the fire. The extent of the loss was not covered by her insurance policy. The business was Lynn's main source of income for her family. Customer Sherry Jones of Belmont set up a fund for Lynn's family at Belmont Savings Bank to help Lynn reopen her business and support her family. Other customers set up a GoFundMe account for Lynn to help recoup her losses. 
There were many obstacles causing the delay in the salon's opening, from the fire investigation to permitting issues. In the meantime, Lynn spent her time with her family and had another baby, her son Cody, who is now 16 months old. Her other children, Richie, 6, and Hai, 9, attend Belmont Public Schools. Over the years, Lynn said customers kept in touch with her and kept asking when she would be reopening. She decided to reopen in the bigger location next door to the salon's former location in order to create a more relaxing atmosphere for her customers and to be able to add more staff so the clients don't have to wait and can walk in and get out and get served immediately. She said she was also hoped it would be a place where friends come to meet. In addition to a spacious main salon for nail care, the new salon has a private room for pedicures and manicures and two private facial and waxing rooms, which she hopes bridal parties will take advantage of. And now to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Mass Audubon Habitat, exhibiting Swanson family art. The gallery at Mass Audubon Habitat, 10 Juniper Road, Belmont, is hosting works through November by members of the Swanson family, paintings by Adam, fabric pieces by Christine, and photographs by Peter. A reception will take place from 1 to 3 p.m. November 19th. Adam Swanson graduated in 2007 from the Rhode Island School of Design. He has worked professionally as an animator and an illustrator. He currently has a career working in film and television that takes him all around the globe. His love of landscape painting comes from studying under Trent Buttleson while at RISD. His body of work consists of landscapes done with oil on canvas. They are inspired by travel and the importance to appreciate still moments in an otherwise busy life. Christine Swanson has spent her career years as an art educator and an advocate for arts education in public schools. From 1991 to 2008, she worked with Youth Art Month to celebrate school art programs and youth creativity and expression. In her classroom, her students were introduced to multiple mediums and techniques. Christine worked throughout her school, instigating interdisciplinary lessons. She volunteers in the Massachusetts Cultural Council in her hometown, reading grants and supporting local artists. Outside the classroom, Christine follows her own advice to make great stuff. She has shown her paintings illustrated two children's books, and drawn home portraits, but her first love is fabric. Hand-sewing 20 or more quilts for friends and family has led her to explore mixed media to combine paint, print, and fiber. She wants to focus on the small moments in nature when light, color, and texture come together. Also a graduate of Rhode Island School of Design, Peter Swanson is a veteran of the New England film and video industry. His company, Global Visions and Associates, 
has international experience producing a variety of documentaries. Since his early days, hanging around the art room in high school, art has played an important part of his life, and he currently has an art film running on public television, Let There Be Light, tells the story of masters of stained glass creating their last window for Washington National Cathedral. While film is his first love, he feels the idea of capturing a moment in time through still photography can be just as powerful. On a particular day, at a particular time, a subject is illuminated in a particular way, a way that will never happen again. Capturing these moments before they fade away is his challenge in these photographs. Over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Learning Safeguards to Prevent Cyber Theft by Angela Tomwa. Imagine you own a bicycle. Bicycles get stolen all the time. When considering the risk of a theft, t- a thief taking your bike, a number of factors come into play. Where are you putting your bicycle? How big is the bicycle lock? How many bicycle locks are you using? Can you snap the lock with a bolt cutter or is it a little more complex? How expensive is your bike? These are all variables that contribute to whether or not the bike you left outside gets stolen. This is the metaphor senior threat intelligence analyst Alexei Philipson uses used to illustrate cybersecurity during a fireside chat at the Belmont Public Library on October 30th. Your data is like that bike, he said. A credit card number is valuable and can be sold. The Belmont IT Advisory Committee sponsored the event at the Belmont Public Library with hopes of raising awareness about the cybersecurity issues affecting the average Belmont citizen. The panel consisted of Belmont Police Department's Officer James Syracuse, Jr., Alexei Philipson, and organizer and subcommittee chairman Glenn Wong. The speakers devoted the first portion of the meeting to the Equifax breach. In early September, Equifax, one of the three major United States credit bureaus, disclosed a large-scale data breach. The breach affects approximately 143 million Americans, as well as some Canadian and British citizens. Philipson first explained the details of the breach. Equifax had a web application vulnerability which they left unpatched. This oversight allowed unknown third-party attackers to enter Equifax's system and steal millions of people's personal data. The company might have avoided the breach altogether had they taken proper precautions to defend their data. The stolen information includes names, social security numbers, credit card numbers, driver's license numbers, dates of birth, and addresses. Philipson remarked he did not believe that there has ever been a breach quite like Equifax that affected quite so many people in such a compromising way. Your data is becoming increasingly valuable, meaning there are people out there who know how to take that information about you and turn that into a profit, said Philipson. In response to the breach, Philipson suggested listeners use a credit freeze. This tool allows you to restrict access to your credit report. 
which makes it more difficult for identity thieves to open accounts or take out loans in your name. In addition to a credit freeze, it is crucial to monitor your financial statements to ensure there is no unusual activity. These steps will help mitigate potential damage. Police offer advice to victims. If you do find yourself the victim of identity theft, Syracuse said, don't be embarrassed or beat yourself up over it. He recommended getting in touch with the Belmont Police Department and filing a report. It happens, he said. We're here for you. We'll get you through it. Many of the attendees expressed frustration over their lack of control in the Equifax breach. Equifax itself is not harmed by this breach, nor are its customers, he said. Their customers are not you. They are the banks that use this data. Despite Equifax's culpability, the true victims of this breach are average citizens, Wong said. The industry makes money collecting their personal data, but in this case did not secure their information. The citizens had no control in this situation. Philipson expressed cynicism regarding any future regulations over Equifax and other credit bureaus. He believes Congress and President Donald Trump's administration are too anti-regulation to pass any substantive legislation. Instead, Philipson anticipates the government will hold talks to appease public outrage, but they will likely not result in any meaningful change. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Class Size in Hands of Special Town Meeting by Joanna K. Zuvalis. Belmont's upcoming special town meeting will have a total of six articles to vote on when it convenes November 13th at 7 p.m. in the Chenery Middle School Auditorium. The biggest ticket item is an article asking whether the town should borrow and appropriate $2.7 million for the purchase and installation of four temporary modular classrooms, including site work and infrastructure, at the Burbank Elementary School. Two other articles ask town meeting to appropriate $383,230 for the schematic design of renovations to the Department of Public Works and Belmont Police Department facilities, and $150,000 for a schematic design for a new library. There is also a citizen's petition to convert the planning board to an elected body instead of a body of five members with three-year terms appointed by the Belmont Board of Selectmen. Two-thirds votes vote uh, will be required to pass Article 3, the measure to borrow and appropriate $2.7 million for the modular classroom project at the Burbank Elementary School, according to Superintendent John Phelan. Some elementary school class sizes in Belmont have climbed to a high, to a high as 26 students due to increasing enrollment which is not projected to slow down anytime soon. To help lower class sizes to no more than 23 students, the Space Task Force and Phelan 
studied options for adding modular classrooms to the Burbank, which the school committee approved on June 20. The other location considered was locating the modulars was Butler Elementary School. However, that plan did not include enough parking, would not allow a fully covered walkway for students to the modulars, and would have a bigger impact on abutters. In addition to adding four modular classrooms plus a bathroom facility, the project would add a covered walkway, expand existing parking, add synthetic turf at the Mayview Corner, and replace the paved play area. The breakdown of the total cost is $1.1 million for the modulars, $1.2 million for the site, $124,450 for the design, $80,000 for the owner's project manager, and $203,902 for the owner's construction contingency. According to town treasurer Floyd Carmen, the plan is to borrow $2.7 million for 10 years at an estimated 3% interest rate in the spring of 2018. The debt service will start in fiscal year 2019 at $321,000 annually over 10 years. The source of the funds to pay the debt service will be determined in the 2019 budget cycle, said Carmen. He has suggested a number of options to the selectmen who will begin discussions and decisions in February or March. The selectmen recommended favorable action on this article at their November 6th meeting. Article 4, to appropriate $383,230 for schematic designs for renovations to the DPW and police facilities and form a building committee, will provide a short-term solutions to improve conditions for personal safety and comfort. The money would come from the Kendall Insurance Account, proceeds from a fire at the Kendall School many years ago. Warren Committee Chairman Roy Epstein showed photos of the major issues at each of the facilities during the briefing for town meeting members on November 6th. The police station needs to have an elevator installed an improved locker, bathroom, and shower facility for female police officers, and an improved area for storing evidence, booking, and processing prisoners. The public works facility also needs an improved break room, a bathroom and shower facility for female employees, as well as an improved shower facility for male employees. The selectmen recommended favorable action on this article at their November 6th meeting. On November 6th, the selectmen recommended favorable action on Article 5 to appropriate $150,000 for a schematic design for a new main library using the Kendall Insurance Account as a funding source and create a building committee. The Belmont Library Foundation will provide an additional $150,000 for the schematic design, which is estimated to cost $300,000. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Working toward a final plan. 
by Joanna K. Zuvelis. The Belmont High School Building Committee met jointly with the Belmont Board of Selectmen and School Committee on November 2nd to review renovation and addition designs proposed by Perkins and Will for a new high school to serve either grades 7 through 12, 8 through 12, or 9 through 12. The town is currently in the feasibility phase, Module 3, of the eight-module Massachusetts School Building Authority process. Three renovation addition options were presented, all which preserved the current pool and field house and did not affect the current location of the ice skating rink. The three design options could be used for any of the three grade configurations. The plans presented also take into consideration where the community path could be located. All three options had a separate entrance and drop-off locations for grades 7 and 8, separate classroom areas for the lower grades, and certain common or shared areas for all grades. Two of options built additions on the west side of the gym. One of the options was four stories and had outdoor terrace space on each level of the building. Another option was to build an almost entirely new building to the west of the gym and would involve demolishing the existing building. One option added an addition to the front of the building and a third floor to the existing building. Vote is expected on November 30th. The public is welcome to attend the next meeting, which will be held at 6.30 p.m. on Thursday, November 16th, in the library of the Belmont High School. Perkins and Will staff will be presenting options for all new construction for the same three-grade configurations. Cost estimates based on square footage may also be presented at this meeting. A vote is expected by the third joint meeting of, on November 30th on the options which will be included in the preliminary design program to be submitted to the Massachusetts School Building Authority by December 13th. The PDP describes the entire educational program and includes design options for that program. BHS Building Committee Chairman Bill Lavallo said the next phase in the MSBA process would be to choose the preferred design option, which he expects will happen in early February. Lovallo said once the design option is selected, there will be discussion on how the new grade configuration selected will impact the rest of the district. Project to cost up to $210 million. The town will be asked to vote on the funding for the Belmont High School project in either the general election in November 2018 or the town election in April 2019. Construction of the project is estimated to begin in three years once approved. According to an analysis performed by the BHS Building Committee, the total project cost could be as high as $210 million and as low as $140 million. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. 
Researchers to Discuss Dyslexia Decoding Dyslexia Massachusetts and local chapter Decoding Dyslexia Belmont will host a free expert speaker event open to the community from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. November 18th at the Belmont Public Library Assembly Room, 336 Concord Ave. The event will feature presentations by dyslexia researchers concerning best practices for the assessment and remediation of dyslexia. Speakers include Nadine Gabb, Charles Haynes, and Melissa Orkin. Dyslexia is a language-based learning difficulty that impacts the ability to accurately and fluently read, decode text, spell, and write. It is relatively common, affecting between 5% and 20% of children, and it can be identified in preschool and early elementary school age children. Early and effective intervention, typically involving multisensory, explicit phonics-based instruction, can be effective in remediating dyslexia. Back to Bob. Along with my colleagues Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and and hope you have enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.